Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the author incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to Book Journeys Radio. Every week on the show, we get to talk to an author about the process of transforming into being an author. And it's such an exciting conversation every time because everyone's book journey really does look different. And I, I love exploring on this show the different ways that people came into their authorship, the ways that they really found their voice as an author. And this week is no exception. Author Susan Hyatt is here. She is the author of Create Your Own Luck. And Susan is also a life coach and a speaker, and you are going to hear a lot more about her. But Susan, welcome to the show. Here. Thank you so you much, Angela, for having me. Yes, I'm here. Hi. Awesome. I almost didn't hear you for a second. Well, I am so glad you're here. So let's just get started by telling everybody about Create Your Own Luck. What is the book about and who did you write it for? Oh, my gosh. So Create Your Own Luck is the book about how to create your reality and how to get what you want. So I had so many people say to us, um, you know, oh, you guys are just so lucky, or you're just so lucky, it's easy for you to say that. And the fact of the matter is almost everything that I've created in my life has come from creating my own luck and creating my own opportunities and sort of seizing the day, if you will. And so the book is really about helping people understand how they can do that themselves through seven easy steps. I love it. Well, I want to get into the I want to get into the steps. Why don't we tell people a little bit um, more about what those steps are? Okay, cool. So basically, the first step of creating your own luck is taking a look at what is it that you crave or what is it that you really want in your life. So a lot of people, for example, will complain that social media is harmful. Or social media is a problem. Facebook's terrible. Facebook makes me feel bad about myself. But I actually think that it's important to look at Facebook and notice where you're feeling jealous or a craving for something, whether it's looking at intimate photos of someone with their kids or pictures of a group of friends having fun or Um, your cousin's amazing vacation and taking note of that. And there's a reason why you're feeling jealous or you're feeling um, that you admire it, but what is happening is that that admiration is being hijacked 
by your mind and turning it into envy, which doesn't feel so great. But it actually can be a great breadcrumb leading you towards what it is you really want. And so I honestly think the first step to creating your own luck is admitting to yourself what you really, really want. You might be telling yourself you can't have it yet, which is why you're feeling jealous, but just like owning that, hey, I, I would love to have a relationship like that with my partner. So the the seven steps, and let's run through the other six really quickly because then I want to really talk about how you use them to create the structure of the book. So let's just, just rattle off those other six steps. Sure, absolutely. So your mindset is one of them. So paying attention to what you're telling yourself is absolutely one of the steps. Um, paying attention to who you're hanging out with, so your tribe, so to speak, um, becoming a leader in your own life is, for example, one of them. Harnessing your creativity, that is a huge step to creating your own luck because I think that what happens um, with a lot of people is that they, they sometimes fall into a mindset or believe that creativity is for other people. So there's clarity about what you want, harnessing your passion, um, generating a sustainable level of energy, um, owning your own leadership skills, uh, being in the mindset of creativity. Fun is a huge step to getting your lucky on. So I'm a big person. My mantra now is actually the more fun I have, the more money I make, and then having a vision for your life. Those are, those are the seven rattled off. Okay. So here's why I wanted to get into this, because a lot okay. of people who talk about writing a book, are mm -hmm. um, sort of waiting for inspiration. But I want to know, mm -hmm. did you know that these were steps in a process before you started writing? What, what was the order of events? Did you have the steps and then the book or the book and then the steps? Tell me more about oh, that. Oh, such a good question. Um, so I started, I basically started, when I landed on why create your own luck, then I started really capturing all my thoughts about it. And it was more, it wasn't that I already had this great formula planned out before I started writing the book. What I started doing actually was brainstorming personal stories um, of examples of creating your own luck. And then when I took a look at the personal stories I had assembled, and many of them are about my kids, um, I was like, okay, well, what does that represent? How can I dissect the way that I am in the world and teach it to someone else? And so when I started looking at the personal stories, then I'm like, oh, that represents passion. Oh, that represents leadership. Does that make sense? Yeah, and this is so good because I think people think it's the opposite order. Like I talk to people almost every day who are like, yeah, once I have this figured out, I'm going to write my book. Like I'm going to write my book, but first I have to figure all this stuff out. And I love the way you explain that because really it was the commitment to writing the book, and then the book almost showed itself to you when you got mm -hmm. into that process after you made the commitment to write it. If you sat around trying to think of it first, it's, so much harder to find, but when you're like, how do I show up in the world? How am I living my life? Then all these examples were there, and it fell into that format. So I love that. Yeah. The, the first question that I usually ask people is, 
what do you wish you knew before you wrote your book? But I wanted to ask it to you that way today because it, for me it's like there's a way you went about your creative process that I think so many people can learn from. But with that, I want to say, what do you wish that you knew? Because <laughs> um, you obviously knew that one. You didn't have to think it up. Um, but what do you wish right. that you knew before you write, wrote your book? What was something you learned after? You know, what I learned after was that deadlines are really your friend. Um, that when I look back on my book writing process and experience, which which was I mean it was pretty good. I mean, I think that everybody that writes a book will say the the famous like I didn't like so much writing, but I love having written. Um mm-hmm. I think that I am somebody who likes to write, but I do respond really well to tight deadlines. And I think that I so much appreciated um I so much appreciated your guidance and having you outline for me, hey, here are your deadlines. I am expecting chapters from you on these dates. And at the time, I think many people who have written can feel they're like, no, don't fence me in. But the tight deadline is your friend. And I did not realize that until it was all done and I could take a deep breath and say, my God, I'm so glad she did that. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Everyone, I've done my program at various lengths. So I've done it over a year. I've done it over 18 Mm -hmm. months. I've done it in three days. I've done it in 13 weeks. And every Mm -hmm. single program I ever do, people ask me for another week. They're like, I just think the program (laughs) needed another week. (laughs) And I now know, like, it doesn't matter. Even when it's three days, they want another week. If it's 18 months, they want another week. Like, and so um, I think we can conspire against ourselves when we give ourselves unlimited time. And it doesn't mm-hmm. really necessarily make it better. Like, you could yeah. just, you could rewrite an A paper three times, and it's still an A paper. But if right. you want to spend time writing that A paper three times, you can. Hell no. I'm like, I want it done. So I, you know, I think that that was probably the biggest takeaway for me that I respond well to deadlines and sock it to me. And, you know, I think that it's great what you do. It's so cool to hear like just your experience with everybody wants another week. Everybody wants another week. And I will remember that. (laughs) When I'm when I'm crying at my desk, wanting more time for something, it's like just get it done. Just do it. It's going to be good enough, and then it'll be out there, and it'll be changing the world as opposed to in your head, making you crazy. So, um, so let's talk about before you wrote. Did you envision your project completed? How did you know? How did you know it was going to happen? Yeah. So um, some of the things that I did that I thought. I found helpful. I actually have a funny story in that I am a big believer in vision boards and for maybe some of you listening who who aren't sure what a vision board is, it's it's basically just a visual representation of what you want. So you can put all sorts of things on there, personal or professional, and something really magical but also practical happens when you put a vision board together. So, you know, I typically have stuff on there relating to my family or I'll have trips I want to take or um, professional goals on there. And 
Um, I, a long time ago, I put a vision board together and I made a, a mock book cover. And I mean, I went to, into great detail. Like I printed off, of, I designed my own book cover and I put my photo on the book jacket and I printed it off and I put it on my vision board. But every time I would walk by that vision board with my mocked up book cover, I would sort of feel like <gasps> this anxiety because I wasn't writing. And mm. so... I had to pull it off because, uh, you know, vision boards don't work if they make you feel crappy. (laughs) Um, And then when I landed on Create Your Own Luck, Seven Steps to Get Your Lucky On, when we picked that title, it went back on my vision board because I could wrap my mind around the possibility that it was really going to happen. Like a couple years prior – it was, it was like, I mean, just the craziest. It was not even within my realm of possibility at that point in my mindset. But when we got to the point where we decided we were going to work together and we picked a book title, then it was like, okay, now it's on like Donkey Kong. I'm going to put this back up. And so just seeing it, it was sort of like, yep, and it made me feel excited and not anxious. So that was mm-hmm. what I did to kind of envision it done. And then I also would picture myself on TV shows or on radio shows like this one, Block Talk Radio, at talking about it. I would visualize that quite a bit. And, boy, did that ever happen because you lined up quite a media tour for me. <laughs> yeah, we had some I rem- fun with I rem- that. <laughs> we did. I remember that March. I remember because uh, Get Your Lucky On, it was St. Pa- uh, St. Patrick's Day release. Um, and so it was, that was a crazy March, but it was fun. It was good. I love that. You know, my question was really about, did you envision your book completed? But the answer that I loved that was hidden in there, um, is I think a lot of people have books that they started in journals or just in documents on their computer. And even when they brush by that document or their hand grazes that journal, there's like a little knot in their stomach that they made themselves a promise to write this book and they started it and they never finished. And Mm -hmm. you said something that was like so powerful, which is like vision boards don't work if they make you feel anxious or they make you feel yucky. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. one of the things there, like my question was, did you envision your book completed? But what's even more important is recognizing when you're envisioning it not being completed (laughs) and being able to just (laughs) take that off the table, like take it off your vision board, throw the manuscript out, like put it on a zip drive or a flash drive or something and, and hide it somewhere because that feeling of I should be writing or like I'm doing this wrong, I'm not really a writer you know, I, I I just need to get my butt in the chair. Like all those ways of trying to beat yourself into writing, I don't really find that they bring out joy and play and creation energy. It mm-hmm, really seems mm-hmm. to bring out more of that blocked, stuck energy. Yeah. So I think that yeah. I think that's really great. Uh, yeah, great, I would agree with great you. Text. Anything I love that you that... pulled it off your vision board. Fuck yes. I, I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to curse on your show. We can um, fuck yes here. <laughs> okay, fuck yes. It was, it was sort of like, I remember like the thousandth time I walked by it and my heart sank. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is supposed to motivate me and it's doing the opposite. So I do think that um, 
I, I, at that point, could not envision my book completed, but at a later time, for sure, yeah. Yeah, and it's and and actually, what I find is by taking it off your vision board, by taking it off. So uh, I would say, fifty percent of the people I talk to about their book, I tell them the first step is to stop saying you're writing a book. Just like drop that goal and live with not having it on your vision board, and then mm-hmm. you create the space for it to come back, as opposed mm-hmm. to trying to force it to want to be there. I think that was my relationship with dating, too. So there's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. Miss Newlywed, congratulations, yeah, by the way. true. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about writer's block, because then once you have the vision, um, I'm going to guess that every single day of writing wasn't pure bliss, straight-up genius hour. Were there moments of, of writer's block? And if so, how did you deal with that? So, yes, I and I still experience writer's block. I think that um I think that what has been helpful for me is to have I have a a day dedicated to I call it my creation day. So Mondays for me, I'm not working live in classes or with clients at all. It's it's a day of my week devoted to creating content. So what that looks like is I, I batch my writing. So I'll write a bunch of blog posts at once. I'll create curriculums for my programs. Anything like that happens on a Monday typically. And setting a schedule up like that for myself um, has decreased the writer's block, though it still comes. And when it comes, I I just – um, I just I don't try to force anything. I really don't. I show up for my writing appointment, and if I'm staring at a blank screen, I'm staring at a blank screen, and I and I pull out all the stops in terms of um, putting on inspiring playlists and setting up the conditions. But honestly, if I'm feeling passionate and inspired about something to write about, I could be at a bus stop and write it, you know. So mm-hmm. a lot of the advice even I give people about setting up the conditions for success, um, passion trumps it every time. So if I'm not feeling particularly passionate and or about telling a story or writing something, sometimes I just wait until the next appointment but I have a consistent schedule of writing appointments set up. That makes sense. I love that you have the time on your schedule. What do you do um, so when you're not in a mood to write and you have the time on your schedule? Do you just write something or do you, will you let yourself get on Facebook? Will you work out? Like what do you do when it's not coming? So when it's not coming, I pivot and work on whatever is giving me the most energy. So I don't ditch it all together. How do I explain this? So on any given Monday, I'll have a bunch of different stuff that I'm working mm-hmm. on that requires me to be creative. And let me just be clear that if I am feeling particularly PMSE or um, like I am just not in a mood at all, I really don't try to force it. But that does not happen to me very often, I have to say. Um, do you I would have say easier nine, tasks okay. and harder tasks? Like, do you know if you're just, like, not really feeling it, you could just bang out something that's going to be easy? Yes. 
So the easiest thing for me always to write about um, is what I'm pissed off about. <laughs> okay. So, so what I mean by that is post about what annoys you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's so I use it for good. So for those of you listening who are like, what? Um, <laughs> I I do. Let me just back up and say I do um, capture. When um, I have a little notebook that I keep with me or I will text myself um, ideas like don't forget about when the guy at the party talked about your kitchen or whatever it might be. Um, And so when I'm feeling particularly blocked, I find for whatever reason I can go to my list of my pissed offness list. So this dude you know, totally um, discriminated against me or whatever happened at the bank, whatever, I can go to that list and I can write about it, but then I always offer the positive spin on it, like how Uh. to deal with this. Um, So I find that, um, how do I explain this, that sometimes my best coaching my best topics, my best things that I use to inspire other people come from me being highly honked off. So so it's like... What I love about this, so this yeah. is really cool. Okay. So what I think is that everybody has um, an inner author, a part of their a part of themselves that's creative. And I always think about your inner author like a seven-year-old girl that you're asking on a play date. And hmm. like if you if you knock on the door and you say to the seven year old girl like, Hey, you're ugly and stupid, wanna go on a play date? Like she's probably not gonna wanna come. And if you knock on the door and you ask her if she wants to go on a play date in a landmine, she's probably not gonna wanna come. But mm-hmm. if you know she's super into Barbies and that even if she's in a bad mood or she's had a hard day or she's sleepy or tired or it's early or late, if you show up with Barbies, she's going to kind of get it up for the Barbies. Like, Mm -hmm. it's going to make that play date much more likely to happen. So I love Mm -hmm. that you have this kind of go-to way to tease your inner author out, that you can Mm -hmm. get to those lessons and get to that fun from a place of – from a place of loving your loving your creative side and not from like I have to do this, I'm totally fucking this up, like this is due today, this is completely gonna ruin dinner if I don't write it right now because that doesn't that doesn't make your inner author wanna come out and play. So apparently mm. we, your inner author likes to bitch, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, my inner author totally loves to bitch and she's all like, You must not know about me <laughs> <laughs> That's who she comes out to write very consistently. <laughs> I love that. I mean, the good news is everybody has that. The bad news is yes. we're so busy beating ourselves up, we don't always find it. Right. So you know, good. People, people so ask all the time how our authors get their books done so quickly, and this is one of the big secrets is know how to invite your inner author out for a play date because otherwise you're going to be like Hemingway with the alcohol and the cabin and hating everyone and <laughs> it does not have to be that way no so, it really doesn't right. it doesn't let's talk about the fun things about being an author so you said before everybody uh, likes having written but they don't necessarily like writing and so what are some of the best things that have come out of having your own book mm, so 
many things, um, so many opportunities happen for published authors. And I really didn't quite understand it until I had a book. And um, speaking gig, high-level paid speaking gigs happen more readily if you are a published author. So that was a really nice um, transition for my business. I think that um, media attention, so um, being asked to be a, a quote-unquote expert to comment on um, when reporters are writing about different topics that relate to your book topic, features happen more readily. Um, so for me, it was a, a ton of stuff and a ton of collaborations that have happened with major brands because they look at someone who is a published author as more esteemed. So if they're looking for an expert, if that expert has a book, great. We're we're going to do some business. Yeah. It's not necessarily fair because you're probably the same person you were before you wrote your book. You know, like it's not it's like true. something magical happens, but you're just received so differently. Yes, I would agree with that. There are plenty of people who are non-writers who have zero desire to write a book who probably won't get some of the opportunities that published authors do. Yeah. So what's next for you? Is there another is there another book? I've heard rumors on the book I of faces every another, once in a while. Yes. There's <laughs> another couple books. There's another couple books in me. Um the neck well, I shouldn't say. I don't know, but there's two there's two ideas that are fighting for my attention and they are books about there are two coaching programs I have. One is called Bear, B A R E, and it's a program to help women love the body that they're in, uh, before they even lose any weight. And it's all about authentic body love and deep personal acceptance. And I want so strongly to write this book because I feel like the conversation around body love needs to be louder and it needs to be more fun. So um, a lot of what's out there is so heavy that it's not accessible to a lot of women. Um, So there's Mm -hmm. that book. And then the other book I want to write is called Make a Scene, or is around the topic of Make a Scene, which is a, another coaching program I have, which is just around sort of blowing out of the water the notion that you need to tone it down, not make a scene, be quiet, what will everybody think, you know, a, a real how-to book about how to make a scene in your life. I love that. And here's the thing I really love is when you have a book, that's tied specifically to a coaching program, not only does it help generate revenue from the book, right, and generate those opportunities, but more than that, it really gives an opportunity for a percentage of the readers that really connect with you to go Mm -hmm. into that book. Like Mm -hmm. I remember when I read Finding Your Own North Star, I took that book to India and I dated it. For two weeks, I read it every day. I did every exercise. Like, it was a love fest. But then I didn't, I did not know. I, I don't even know if it was an opportunity to work with Martha Beck, but I didn't know I could work with her. I didn't know there was a program. And so I was just sort of alone with all these big new ideas. And they were great. I wanted to try them out, but I needed, I needed support. I wasn't an expert at them yet just because I read the book. 
And so being able to take that to the next level when you really connect with a book, I think it's such a gift for readers. I agree with you. I really do. And I also, I I definitely want to offer people, you know, the programs that I mentioned um, are not accessible to everyone. You know, not everyone wants to invest in a coaching program like that. But if I had a book that, almost anyone could afford, um, I feel like I could also reach more people. And then the opposite, like you, people who date the book and then think, I want some help <laughs> with this. There's a program for it. Yeah. Love it. It's so great. Yeah. So in our last couple minutes, um, I wondered um, going into your next book at some point in the future and thinking about what you learned from, from writing Create Your Own Luck, what advice will you give to yourself um, writing this next this next book, and what advice would you give to somebody else who wants to write a book? You know, the first thing that sprang to mind as you were asking that question um, was, you know, I'm obsessed with Liz Gilbert's new book, Big Magic. Mm, and so good. The, so good. And the quote from Jack Gilbert in, like, I think it's like page six of the book that made me ball like a baby um, was a quote where um, he's talking to an aspiring author and she she basically admits kind of sheepishly to him that she wants to be a writer. And he asks her, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he asks her, you know, do you have the courage? And do you? Because the treasures inside of you are hoping that you will say yes. Mm-hmm. And that makes me weepy because I think so many people have so many treasures inside of them that they never say yes to. And that would be my highest wish for anyone listening to this that's considering writing a book is please say yes to your treasures. And I will remind myself of that yeah, when I, I was just want to remind rebel. You. I'm like, you say hi to your treasures too. Say yes, yes. to your treasures. Say yes to your and treasures. I'm so glad you said yes to creating your own luck. Um, you can get Susan Hyatt's book on Amazon.com. And we will see you next week on Book Journeys Radio. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com. Hello.